Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 209. Hey, my Richers, I'm Hayut, and I'm so happy to be here with you. As my loyal listeners already know, my final question on each episode is my mountain question. For years, I've been imagining the journey of entrepreneurship as climbing a mountain, step after step after step, and then when you reach one peak, there is always another, a higher peak. And I always ask my guests whether they ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do they have any relationships with mountains at all? I loved the answer of my guest this week, Derek Van Ness. I think the comparison between a mountain and a business is very profound because both of them are way harder than you think they are going to be and they take way longer than you think. You are tested. And talking about challenges, the biggest struggle most entrepreneurs say they are facing is getting more customers. So I prepared especially for entrepreneurs a free training about seven free practical ways to get more customers. Go to getcustomerswebinar.com getcustomerswebinar.com and join me there. And now, let's learn about my guest today, Derek Van Ness. Derek Van Ness is a wealth strategist who is passionate about helping people reach their full potential. His company, Big Life Financial, is focused on removing the mystery and misinformation surrounding money and financial strategy so people can live their biggest life. Derek believes that each person has something unique and valuable to contribute to the world but that most people are never able to express that gift due to fear, doubt, or worry related to money. His mission is to eradicate that fear and fundamentally change the way that people think about and utilize money within the next generation. Derek Van Ness, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. And yourself? Very good. How are you? I'm excited to be on the show here. It's always fun to talk with people from different parts of the world and, uh, and learn and have conversations that aren't quite so typical. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited as well. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Wow, that's a big question. I am... <laughs> most passionate today about getting back out and re-engaging with the world <laughs> after the pandemic. Yeah. But uh, I've really been feeling 
you know, just the excitement of getting really close to being able to go out and, and meet with friends and go dancing and go sailing and do a lot of the things that I like to do with my personal life. So very passionate about that. But definitely on the business level, you know, I'm really passionate about a lot of the changes that are happening uh, in the way that people are engaging with the world. I feel like uh, because we were put into such an interesting shift with the with the lockdowns and and social distancing and everything, that we found different, at least I have found different ways to connect. And uh, and I love how technology is being used right. in many ways to bring people together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really passionate about that. You know, we've been working really hard for the past year on our YouTube channel. Yeah. And, uh, and I just love watching that grow and the interactions I'm having with people that I would have never met before uh, through that. I've done other kinds of social media, but it seems to me like video has become such a powerful medium. And so right. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Hmm. Yeah, just that new layer of connecting with people because, I don't know, it felt like in the past, like with emails and uh, other types of social media, things felt kind of surface to me. But with video, I feel like we can get a lot deeper. And I'm, I'm just really enjoying that right now. So that's a great way to grow my business, connect with clients, uh, stay in close touch with many people in a short period of time, impact people in a, in a new and more powerful way. So yeah, that's just light me up. That's fantastic. And tell me a bit about the business. What is that? What are you doing today? So we do financial strategy and tax strategy for business owners, uh, primarily people in the U.S. because obviously tax codes are specific here to the way that the U.S. works. But, but a lot of the concepts can apply just about anywhere. And so what our goal is, is to help people create financial certainty so that they can stop uh, worrying so much about money and focus on doing the work or being the person that they're here to be. So the company's called Big Life Financial and the idea is we get money out of the way so that you can live the big life that you're here to live. And I must say that when I read it, I said, How do you actually provide this certainty? Yeah, so there, there are some strategies out there. First, the first one that's super, you know, like I said, it'll be different in different places, but the idea is the same is understanding how taxes work. In the U.S., taxes are the single biggest cost in most people's lives, and yet most people ignore them. If you're in a higher tax state like California or New York uh, or some of these other places, like you'll pay 49% of your income to the government. Yeah. Now, that doesn't include sales tax and gas tax and all the other taxes, right? But just on income taxes, you have to give 50% of it to the government. So becoming more aware of tax codes is a guaranteed raise in your income, right? Mm-hmm. If you just get a little bit smarter then you can keep a lot more of the money that you make. You don't have to take on extra risk. You don't need a bunch of extra employees. You don't need a bunch of new product development or knowledge. You just need to understand the tax code or have someone on your team that does, and you can increase the amount of money that you get to keep by 20, 30, 40%, which is a huge difference, right? If you have 30% more income, that's huge. Huge. And what are the two other things that you talked about? You said there are three, isn't it? Uh, th- there's a couple of things, yeah. So uh, the tax code is the first one. 
And in the US, and I think other countries do this as well, there are, in addition to writing things off, there are also tax incentives. So if you own a business like in the US that does research and development, mm -hmm. we help a lot of businesses file for research and development credits. Once again, these are the types of things you're already doing with your business anyway. You may as well get the money back from the government as a, as a refund for those dollars. And once again, that all goes straight to the bottom line. And then from the growth perspective, I think so many people think that the main way to build wealth or sort of the default for a lot of people is in the stock market. The problem with, with the stock market, in my opinion, is that it's the opposite of certainty, right? That's right. It, it goes up and it goes down and the average person doesn't understand why or when that's going to happen. We don't have any control over it. Like if I ask the listeners who are out there, what if you knew the stock market was going to crash tomorrow? What are your options? Well, most people's option is I either wait it out, you know, and crash and then hope it comes back or I have to sell. But that's really the only options they have because they don't have any control. They don't have any knowledge. They don't have any ability to impact those outcomes. Um, so we're really just kind of like a leaf blowing around in the wind, right? We don't really have any choices. So the strategies we teach generally start with sort of some sort of guaranteed rate of return. Yeah. Uh, we use a specific type of, uh, as a base layer, a specific type of life insurance. Mm -hmm. And we set it up a certain way to where in, in most cases, the money will grow at 4% guaranteed. And then they'll also get um, a dividend or profit sharing on top of that. So a lot of times people are getting similar rates of return when you factor in the dividend to what they would get in the stock market, but without all the risk. Yeah. And they're able to keep that money available and for their the business. And the heart attack. Yeah, and the heart attack and the loss of hair and all the other stuff. <laughs> it, yeah. Exactly. So, so those are some of the foundational ways. And then beyond that, there's actually some really neat strategies where people can do investments where they can make money and save taxes at the same time. Tax advantaged investments, we have a, an investment advisor on our team that helps people with that. But these are things where the tax savings is guaranteed. The incentives are guaranteed. The guaranteed rate of return from companies that are 150 to 200 years old, there's a guarantee there. Mm -hmm. So these are things that always go up and you know you can count on. Sure, there might be minor changes, but but they're never going to take a loss. And so if you can just recoup those costs and put the money in a place where it always goes up, that starts to create a really nice guarantee and certainty for people. Sure, it is. How did you start? Where did you start and how did you start? Tell me the story. Well, um, in this particular field, you know, I just knew coming out of school, I wanted to own my own business. I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but my father was a business owner. And I saw the flexibility offered him. So, but I also knew that the skill I didn't have, and my best advice to young people is to spend your 20s or even your early 30s acquiring the skills that you need to become who you want to be in the world. And so I knew I needed to learn how to sell. Mm -hmm. And so I took, because I was scared of selling. It was mm -hmm. scary to me to like, I always thought of salespeople as like these manipulators and <laughs> you know, liars and all of this kind of thing. And, and I had to figure out how to not be that, but still be successful. So I took uh, a sales job right out of college, 
At first, it was just wow. knocking doors, door to door, because I was scared to death of that. <laughs> and then after doing that for six months, I took a, a phone sales job where we would just cold call people and build relationships from nothing, which was hard as can be, but really a great skill to be able to instantly talk to a person, build trust, build rapport, um, and start to you know, build a long-term relationship with them. So I probably, my first three years out of school, I probably did 50,000 cold calls. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The interview for the job was, here's the phone book. You have to call 200 people a day and we have a phone tracker that's tracking your phone calls or you're fired every oh. single day. If you don't hit your 200, don't come back tomorrow. Do you think you can do that? And I was like, I, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I wasn't sure. And, uh, and it got me just a ton of experience of being uncomfortable and working through that and building relationships with all kinds of people. Cause you never know who you're calling when you're calling out of the phone book. Sure. And, uh, and at that point I felt like I had the skill set to start my business cause I'd worked with so many business owners and seen financial statements and, and I knew how to sell. And then I kind of uh, had to decide what I wanted to do. And I chose to become a real estate investor at that point and start flipping houses. But this was before house flipping was a popular thing. Like back then we just called it buy a house, fix it up and resell it. There wasn't like a cool <laughs> name for it. Um, and so I, I started doing that. And as I made money with that, a lot of that money went into my education, my financial education. And once you start making money, you discover that a lot of people want you to invest with them. A lot of people want you to invest in their business or go into business with them, or, you know, they've all got their hand out. And so you see a lot of opportunities and you have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to evaluate opportunities. When you make a lot of money, you learn that taxes are very expensive. So I, I really learned a lot just by uh, being fortunate enough to make a lot of money when I was young because if you don't pay attention and learn these things, you just lose all the money. Hmm. And I didn't want to do that. So it, it kind of forced me to become a better, smarter, more capable person and investor. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Sure. <laughs> what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur listening to us right now regarding their customer focus, um, the customer approach, Anything that has to do with their uh, sales, as you said, or their mm -hmm. marketing and sales? Yeah, I think the most important thing in sales that gets overlooked is asking good questions and listening. Mm -hmm. Salespeople practice their, they practice their sales pitch. They practice overcoming objections. They practice how to present. They practice all these things. But it's not... What communication is not about what you're saying. It's about what the customer's hearing, right. right? So you might think you're saying one thing, but they're hearing something else. You might be saying, this is a real opportunity. And they're thinking, but not for me. Hmm. Because if you don't know who you're talking to and what's important to them, it's very difficult to speak to them in a way that your message will appeal to them, Definitely. right? You're shooting in the dark. So I think most salespeople need to identify, and I wrote a book on, it's on Amazon, on salesmanship, but really the idea is identify the key uh, 
pieces of information that you need to know about a client in order for them to, for you to explain to them how your product is going to be the right fit. Sure. Right. If you don't, if you don't know their needs, you can't speak in terms of their needs when you present. And so I think uh, learning how to ask the right questions to get that information and really listening, not only to what they're saying, but to what they're not saying. There's a lot there when people skip over something, when people don't address something that you've questioned them about directly, there's something going on there. And if you can get to the bottom of that, you'll have the information to be able to work with those people more effectively. Hmm. I love that. And uh, we talked about salespeople, but don't you think any entrepreneur should be a salesperson? I think it's a necessity, yes. Um, not in the traditional sense, but getting your team on board with your ideas, getting people to buy into the value that you create. It's really important even if you're not directly selling every relationship that you have in your life, getting people to understand your ideas and uh, and go along with them at least some of the time is really important. Otherwise, you just kind of get pushed around. You don't get to do any of the, of the leading. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. You've got successes, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? Let me think about that. Failures with clients. So I think my biggest downfall is I'm really good at, I love people, right? So it makes it very easy for me to connect with people and help people. And I love doing all of that. However, uh, I would say my biggest failure with clients is sometimes when my business has grown in big spurts, mm-hmm. my my follow through of continuing to stay in touch with clients and continuing after we they become clients, continuing to you know stay engaged and active with them has not been as good as it could have been. So I think better systems for me would really help that. Uh, I've always been like sort of relationships have come naturally to me. And so I've relied on that. And by not having at times in my business growth and not having cadences and not having routines and not having systems to support me, I've dropped the ball sometimes. And I don't know that it's ever ruined a relationship, but I think it has lost some credibility. Yeah, I think a little bit of credibility and a little bit of, you know, I think people know and believe that they can rely on me and that I'll be there when they need them. And sometimes when you're really busy, those things slip through the cracks. And when that's happened in the past, I feel like it has broken down that relationship a little bit. It's, you know, it's hurt the trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've discovered that I need, I need systems. <laughs> I love that. It's... Now I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. You know, I think the best thing that I've ever done, and I kind of learned this in the real estate business, Mm -hmm. was when my greed glands turn on, when I, like, let's say I was looking at a fixer-upper house and I could see that it was going to be a really good deal, I stopped focusing on the person and I start focusing on the money. Early on, I figured out that that's when I lose all my power. 
Hmm. When a ter- person starts to turn into a dollar sign for me, I just, I'm not the same person. I'm not, I'm not effective. And so my greatest success has been learning how to really view every single person, rich or poor, big or small client, whatever, just really view them as a human being, treat them as a human being and work with them uh, as a human being. I'm so much more effective and just letting the money take its own course, just do the right thing for the client, focus on their needs and what's most important to them and guide them and help them with that and not worry so much about the, the commission or the money that I'm going to make. When I do that, I have gotten massive results and I get a ton of referrals and clients love me. And so I think my biggest success is learn, learning how to just stay in that place and not worry so much about the commission or the money. Wow, fantastic. The, can you recommend the best or most effective technological, or we talked about systems, technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus marketing or sales. However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and might help other entrepreneurs as well. Well, I think we, we kind of started with it. I have truly be- I've come to believe that video, and obviously that's not the latest shiny object, but learning how to connect with people through video is super, super important. There's a lot of people we all know who are really bad at Zoom, right? They're, they're not looking at the camera, their lighting's bad, their communication's bad, their presentation's bad. But I think if you can learn how to really be present with clients, especially when you're just looking into a camera, um, mm-hmm. I think that has really, really, really helped me to connect with clients and built relationships in such a different way. Like I'll just tell you at the beginning of 2020, we were doing a lot of Facebook marketing and we were getting a ton of leads, like seven to 10 new leads a day, um, which is, you know, it's a lot of clients, right? And they were all going on my calendar and I was meeting with them and we just weren't getting good results at all. It was all cold, cold leads. And I was like, God, this is terrible. Even with a follow-up sequence and email and everything else, we just weren't getting good results. So we shifted to video And now I consistently get comments from clients who are like, oh my gosh, I feel like I already know you. I've watched a bunch of your videos Mm -hmm. or I've created some warm-up sequences. When someone opts into my list, they get a series of videos of like, hey, here's who I am. Here's here's how I can help you. Here's a couple of things you should think about before we talk. And a series of them getting to know me. So they've probably talked to, quote unquote, in their mind, talked to me for 20 minutes before we even get on the phone. Mm. And, and video is just incredible that way. So I think, even though this is going to sound silly because it's already been happening for 10 years. It doesn't sound silly because uh, although video is here and here to stay, a lot of people are not using it yet. Not the right way anyhow. So I love you saying that. Yeah, I, re- I really think video is... The medium of the future and for people who don't really see the big picture video is uh is merging with tv right we have streaming services we have regular television we have youtube and and vimeo and other services i really think that you know sort of like what happened when there used to be three or four tv stations and then then everybody got cable tv right so there was like hundreds this is that next expansion and a youtube channel 
or a podcast, just like what happened with podcasts, right? Radio stations to podcasts. Everybody has their own show now. I believe that opportunity is out there in video. Um, but I think the connection, like podcasts are really great because people can hear them on the go. They can listen to them on the go. But I don't know that they build quite as much intimacy as video. So I think they were both really super effective. But I think video, especially in something like what I do, where we're dealing with people's money, the trust is really, really important. And I think video builds more trust than any of the other mediums. At least that's been my experience so far. So that's, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about where that's going. And that's a big focus for us. Hmm. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think the first and foremost is, I said this earlier, that I, I just love people. Like my friends make fun of me because I like everybody. I see the good in everybody. doesn't mean that there aren't some people that I meet that I'm like, oh, I don't necessarily love that person. But for the most part, when I get on the phone with people, I really like them. My girlfriends joke with me as I come in. I'm like, I know I don't probably, I don't say this all the time, but like, I just really love so-and-so that I just got off the phone with. She's like, Derek, you say that almost every day. And I'm like, really? She's like, yes, but I just, I just really genuinely love people. I think it's such a competitive advantage because what makes you feel better than being with somebody who really genuinely likes you, right? It's, it's so powerful. And, and for me, thankfully, it comes naturally. Like I'm not contrived about it. Once again, it doesn't mean I love everybody all the time, sure. but I genuinely love people. And maybe it's the state they're in when they come to me, they're, they're open and they want more and they're really willing to do the work to like make changes in their life. So maybe I get to see the best of people, but but I just, I love people. And when I love people, they can feel it. And I think that's a real competitive advantage. It is. It's definitely a key success factor. My final question, before I'll ask you what is the best way to connect with you, my final question is my mountain question. And as our listeners already know, for years I've been imagining the journey first of marketing, but then the journey of entrepreneurship is climbing a mountain. Step after step after step, and then reaching the peak, you always look to climb the higher peak, and um, that's my metaphor. And at some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether they ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? Well, <laughs> I, I grew up and live in Salt Lake City, and we live right next to big, beautiful mountains. So my, my entire life, I spent time in the mountains. And I think there there's a lot of, I, I love your comparison, right? Because I really think most people think when they start the business, they're like, you know, kind of at the, or they get out of school, out of college, and they're at the top of the mountain. And the truth is, I feel like that's base camp, right? Like that's just mm. the starting point. Now you're in the game sure. and you you start building from there. But I think the the comparison between a mountain and a business is very profound because both of them are way harder than you think they're going to be. And they take way longer <laughs> than you think. And you're tested. I often refer to what I call the spiritual journey of entrepreneurship, because when you own a business, it comes down to you. You have to show up. You have to, if you have a team, you have to lead. 
you have to be better than you think you could be. You have to dig deeper than you ever thought you would be. When something goes wrong, everybody else can pass the buck, but you can't. It's your baby. It's your business. And I think it's a bit like being a parent that way. It forces you to go way deeper than you ever would. And, and climbing a mountain, in my experience, when you're out there and you're all alone or only with a couple of people, nature doesn't care if you're tired, if you're hungry, if you're cold. It's not going to warm up in the middle of the night for you. And, and the world is that way with business, right? Like so many people say, well, you know, just help me out, buy this thing or whatever. And, and that's the wrong way to approach business. The way to be good at business and the way to conquer a mountain is you have to be better and stronger because the world rewards people who persevere. The world rewards people who are strong or present a good product or provide a good service. They're only doing what's natural, which is they want to do what's best for them. Just like nature does, you know, the natural thing, the way that the world focuses. If you're so high up on a mountain, it's going to be cold and the air is going to be thin. <laughs> and so I think there's there's a real parallel there for you having to truly uh, get your act together because the world doesn't care and nature doesn't care. You need to prove your worth. You need to get better in order to move forward. And, uh, and I think there's nothing more pure than that. I, I had an experience that was similar when I was sailing. We did a, a five-day sailing trip from San Francisco, uh, which is pretty cold and windy, all the way down to San Diego. And, you know, in the middle of one of the nights, we were off the Santa Catalina Islands, which is by Santa Barbara. And there was like 40-knot winds, which is like 45-mile-an-hour winds. And it was pitch black. And we're out in the middle of the ocean, and the waves are way bigger than the boat. And nature didn't care. It was just doing its thing and it was up to us to be good enough to maneuver through that and uh, and survive. And I had to do things where my hands were freezing cold and the water spraying all over me and it's freezing cold and I'm having to undo knots that got tied up because the wind shifted. And it's like, you can't give up. You can't stop. You have to do it because the only way through it is for you to do whatever needs to be done. And, uh, and I feel like business and climbing a mountain really bring that out in people. And, and we learn once we've done that, that we can do it. And once you know you can do it, mm -hmm. you'll do more. So I think it's, it's a really profound um, metaphor. And, uh, and I've definitely experienced it all the way through the several businesses that I've built over the years. Hmm. Thank you. Eric, what would be the best way to be in touch with you for any of our listeners that will, will want to contact you? Well, there's obviously the website, biglifefinancial.com. Yeah. Or, you know, I've said a lot about video, so I'll, I'll plug the, the YouTube channel. But if you just go to biglifefinancial.com forward slash YouTube, all lowercase, mm -hmm. it will take you to our, our channel you'll be able to see a lot of the types of things that we do and get to know me a little bit better and see if our message resonates with you. But uh, yeah, the website or, or YouTube is a great place and there's lots of free resources there. I won't pick one out, but there are quite a few. And we will put these links in the show notes of this interview. Dev, I want to thank you for this interview. I enjoyed it. It was different and interesting. And thank you so much. My pleasure. How you? I had a lot of fun. Thank you, me too. And take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.